It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm your host, John McDermott, and I am joined by my co-host, Carson Ray. Hey everybody, it's a great day to talk about some X-Wing. And for all you listeners out there, if you haven't noticed already, uh, Tim is not here this week. That's really noteworthy because John and I have never missed an episode. We've always been here. (laughs) Uh, and for some reason, Tim just decided to derelict his duties here with this podcast. But fear not, John and I would never skip an episode, so here we are. Of course not. To Tim's credit, uh, this is episode 260. Uh, this is the first episode he has ever missed. So I think that's a pretty pretty good benchmark for Tim in this podcast history. I want the record to show dereliction of duty. <laughs> Uh, So while Tim's been gone, I've been playing a bit of X-Wing and certainly watching a ton of games. The X-Wing Team Championship, or XTC, uh, just finished up its third week, and it is awesome because basically any time of the day during the week, there is an X-Wing stream going on. Uh, There's so many cool games to watch. Yeah, obviously so many of the world's like top players I've enjoyed watching a lot of the games, and for those of you that have been watching uh, Carson here play, Carson has had three pretty spectacular games. Yeah, well, part of that's, you know, the world's top players, and then also I'm there. Um, (laughs) And and so when you're playing against the best, it's going to be really tough, and and they've they've been some tough games. I mean, like, a lot of the ones I've watched um, have been really close. Mine haven't been close at all, though. We did think it would be appropriate this week in fashion, especially after Carson's most recent win, to talk about a very interesting aspect of the game, which is the end game. Yeah, and this is, you know, something that I think all players need to work on and get better at. Um, A lot of players are great at setting up opening exchanges um, and, you know, even following through in that mid game. But then once, you know, a clear advantage gets established, it's maybe a little less clear. Okay, what do I do now? And since the end game is typically the phase of the game where you win, uh, let's just jump right in and get started. Yeah, seems like an important phase for sure. Pew! So it's probably important to start uh, before talking about the end game specifically to kind of talk about the other phases of the game. And we've talked about them kind of in episodes before, um, but we thought we would kind of define them quickly for you here again. Yeah, so you can break an X-Wing game into three stages um, to kind of assess, you know, where the game is at. There's the early game, the mid game, and the end game. And each of these stages does look pretty different. And so it's pretty good to be able to recognize them because they can direct you in how you should be playing each stage. So starting with the early game, uh, a lot of this is obviously just setup of the board and then getting your ships ready for that initial engagement. So your first couple turns of dial setting, getting ships into position, and maybe even seeing that first round of combat. Right, and sometimes some like opening shots do happen here if you're more chasing a ship into um, you know, where that main engagement is going to take place. 
And then you progress into the mid game, right? So now all the pieces or most of the pieces are really committed to kind of a board state where we can see where everybody is going to converge. Uh, and this is where, you know, a lot of dice suddenly starts getting rolled. Yeah, dice roll, ships start to disappear, things get a little bit murkier. Um, and I think one thing that's interesting about the mid-game, too, is you see a lot of casual games exist longer in this phase. Um, because if you go to your normal kind of average store night, I mean, you're not really playing for stakes. So you're not really competing to see who's going to make it in the top cut. There might not be prizes. So you might actually spend a majority of your casual games in the mid-game. Right. And so that mid-game is where you start to create that advantage. And then there's a sort of transition at some point and it's not super clear. Um, but at some point the mid game ends and the end game begins. And, and I think because it's a little harder to define or, or know for sure when it happens, I think that's why it's a stage of the game that players um, do need to be a little bit more cognizant of because it's hard to recognize. Um, and so, you know, being on the lookout for it, I think helps a lot. And so for me, like I define that end game is okay. Once um, a board advantage has really been established and a board advantage is kind of a broad term uh, that can mean kind of a lot of things. And part of that established advantage is when you can identify that one player has maybe a more significant edge over their opponent. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to recognize when that happens and that's not necessarily just, okay, uh, I'm ahead in points. Uh, that's certainly a simple way to look at that and, and can um, be indicative of that advantage. We're kind of break it down into detail a little bit more um, as we dive into that end game about what that board advantage might be. And in general too, especially if you're watching some of these streamed XTC games, you can identify the end game a little easier at higher level play because more experienced players know how and when to push an advantage or at least identify when they have one. Um, so that's usually a pretty good indicator. If you watch some of the streamed games, you should be able to tell kind of when the end game starts um, and where the mid game ends. Yeah, and maybe a good tool to look back on is, you know, when did a player kind of have a behavior shift? Uh, because there a lot of times should be a behavior shift uh, as you transition between that mid game into the end game. And so, and it's maybe hard to realize in the moment. Um, but if you were like looking back, watching these games on replay is also really great. Cause you can skip those, you know, two to five minute uh, dial faces and just watch that movement. Especially if you can find games too, where you can actually see the two players as they're on stream, not only is there a behavior change that's, you know, perceivable on the table and in the game state, but you can just see it too. You know, maybe people are standing a little bit differently, could be bouncing back and forth. Maybe you can see nervousness a little bit. Um, and you'll see that kind of throughout the game, uh, of course, but you might see more specific behaviors kind of once players identify that they have reached the end game phase. Yeah, I certainly get a lot quieter if I'm in a, oh, this is an end game and this is not a good end game realization. <laughs> All right, so that's okay. You know the three stages and and a little bit of what the end game maybe looks like. So how do you win an end game? Right, this is the stage of the game where the game is won. Okay, so we should try to win this. Right, that's that's going to be important for winning the game is winning that end game. 
and you know, there's a lot of like little fine-tuned things. I kind of want to be a little bit more broad and overarching today. Sure. So obviously it is helpful for you as a player to kind of go into the game with some long-term goals. So kind of thinking through the opening phases of the game, the early game and the mid game, and looking at, you know, what for you uh, does a winning end game look like? And the counter to that is what does a losing end game look like? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, maybe this is a great topic to talk about when Tim isn't here because not that Tim is, is bad at the end game, but I think this is something that you and I both do pretty well. I think maybe I noticed it first when we were playing chess and now I'm seeing how that um, parallels into your X-Wing play. Um, but you tend to just like skip over that mid game as quickly as possible. I'm just going to rush through this and kind of force that end game. And I think that's because you know what end game you want to look like and how to get there quickly. Yeah, so I think um, kind of related to this, I would encourage people maybe to go back and listen to episode 237 uh, where Tim and I talk about aggressive play and I talk a little bit about my play style. Um, But I think that's a really good point. And I think, you know, like you said, Carson, we're pretty good at the end game. And what I think is interesting is how differently we do it. Like I see a lot more of your games go to time than my games. I like to force that end game early on because I know that's where I'm going to do the best and I'm not going to get to that point where I'm overthinking all my decisions and I'm taking too much time. Just force that end game to happen and, you know, in an ideal scenario, win uh, quickly. Yeah, and I think my end games tend to look a little bit more like mid games. Um, unless things go really horribly, which sometimes they do. Your end game is Lulo with one <laughs> health and five minutes left. No problem. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I think the first step is, you know, understanding your list, right? What ships, if I have these, um, you know, still on the table, I have a fighting chance. You don't really need to understand that aspect of your list. If this is the only ship I have left, you know, can I come back from a losing game state? And and so that's what you need to be asking yourself when you're picking every dial, right? is this a ship I need to have in the end game? Am I putting it in a spot where it might no longer be there? Um, <laughs> and you know, your ships have more than one health generally. And, and so they can take some damage, but you know, if they're taking multiple shots in a turn, right, they could instantly disappear. Um, or, you know, if they're going to be in a position where your opponents will be able to put firing arcs on them for a few turns in a row, uh, that might compromise your end game ship as well. And so those are decisions you need to make ahead of the time to set yourself up for that end game. Uh, part of being good at end game is just knowing what you need when you get there, right? Giving yourself the tools. And, and you know, the flip side of that is, okay, what's a losing end game? Okay, if I have one like closing ship in my list and I don't have that, right? That's probably a losing end game. And that naturally will come with, you know, understanding your list and, you know, just practicing with it and knowing how it works. And and to the that effect, you know, as both a winning and losing component of the end game, understanding your opponent's list, you know, being able to look at it and identifying um, between the two lists, what ships, uh, is it okay to actually trade? I mean, you're probably inevitably going to lose ships. Uh, that's just part of the game that happens. Um, but how can you counter that with either removing your opponent's pieces or having some kind of response to it with what's left? 
Yeah, I think being okay trading some ships like really does drive that early mid game. You know, hopefully they're you're not as expensive ships, right? Um, but sometimes it's like a decimator, right? And this thing's worth a ton of points, but I'm just going to trade it so that I have my ace that can close out. Um, and so having these long-term goals, right, they really help you throughout that game. Um, they also really help you identify, okay, when did this end game actually start, right? Okay, I'm in this situation now um, where I only have, you know, half my ships left. I can look at this and say, okay, how am I doing in this end game, right? Did I get what I wanted there? And, and a huge part of identifying to that shift to the end game is understanding how the score can change. So obviously you win an X-Wing by destroying ships and getting points. So understanding where you are score-wise, you know, how far or your ships away or your opponent's ships away from different point thresholds. Yeah, and I would say this is the part I still need to work on uh, more. I'm pretty good at looking at, okay, my opponent's ships, how close am I to getting half on them um, or, or finishing them off, right? Those are the two point thresholds, getting that half points and then finishing that ship off. Um, you know, how much damage do I need to do to get there to score those points? Where I sometimes forget is my own ships, right? Oh, you know, my T-70s got two shields down. Well, now it's only two hits away from half points, right? And that can be a big point swing, especially late in the game. And one thing I know I've been burned on multiple times, you know, at both casual and higher level play, and Carson, I'm sure you can attest to this as well, is never, ever, ever forget uh, what your bid is and what your opponent's bid is, because that can make a huge difference when it comes to scoring. Right. I mean, just calculating the points is is base value, right? You need to be able to do that. Um, and honestly, it's pretty fine to have a conversation with your opponent. Hey, uh, how much points do I have? How much points do you have, right? That shouldn't really be secret knowledge. Um, there's like apps to track it. Yeah, I think TTS has like a thing you can just put right next to your table to track it. Um, all the list building apps have ways to track those points. You know, you can do pencil paper right there, um, count in your head. But yeah, um, don't be afraid to ask. Sometimes it's easier to count what's been destroyed. Sometimes it's easier to count what's still on the table. Uh, but then with that, John, you absolutely do have to keep that bid in mind. Right. Yeah. Never be afraid to ask your opponent where points are at. Um, that's a very, very crucial element, especially at higher play. Um, so don't forget. And don't let your right. opponent forget either. Yeah. And the other layer there, um, diving a bit deeper into, okay, how can scoring change is like going through multiple scenarios of, okay, I'm up right now, but how much points can my opponent reasonably score right they could get half here finish off this ship and kind of add that as like a buffer okay if those bad things happen what do i still need to score to come out ahead uh, and if the answer is i can't well then you need to hold on to your points right and and that's that part where i like i need to think about that a little bit more because sometimes like okay i want to get a little bit more points on my opponent but it's going to cost me more um if they get that half point or finish off that ship it's like that Zach Galifianakis meme where the math is just floating around his face. Yes. Um, and you're so you're trying to do that and set all your dials, you know, pretty quickly. <laughs> it's a lot to think about. And so that's where, you know, as much practice as you can with this so that when you're in those stressful situations, um, it's a little bit easier on you. But it's still a lot. That's a, that is a pretty good uh, description. <laughs> 
So obviously we've touched on kind of what the end game phase is briefly um, and how to identify when you're in it and you know what to do when you're there. Um, but I think now an important breakdown of the end game is to talk about the different states that actually exist within that part of the game. Yeah, because these are really going to direct, okay, how do you actually play this on the table? So I think we've identified five key end game states and we have a little bit of descriptions for each one. Yeah, and like our approach here I think is pretty straightforward. So that first one, okay, so you're up on points. That's great. Um, and you're also ahead in what we're going to call ship potential. So that means the ships you have on the board versus your opponent's ships they have on the board, um, you feel like you can keep um, continuing to generate an advantage with or something along those lines, right? And maybe that's effectiveness through pilot abilities or upgrades or ship abilities, but it, it's really anything that gives your specific piece um, an advantage over whatever it is your opponent has left on the table at that moment in time. Right. So I have a generic um, T-65 and you have a full health Darth Vader, right? Yep. Um, you are both ahead on points and ahead in ship potential. And so, again, th this first point that we're talking about, um, ahead on points and ahead in ship potential, one of the parts of this state is being able to apply pressure where necessary and protect the points you have left in such a way that you still maintain that advantage. Right. And so I think applying that pressure is great because you have that ability with the ship potential to just close out the game. You're already ahead and you can just keep scoring. Another thing to think about is like, okay, do I just try and get as many points as I can here? So that means scoring points, but also protecting your points, right? You want to keep that margin. Uh, you want to keep widening that score margin. And a way to protect those points is keeping your ships in ideal positions. So you're not putting them in overly risky positions. You know, maybe you're getting shots without trading them back. Um, and that, that's a, obviously one of the best way to protect points is to not get shot at. Right. And, and I think this is something that I do see players mess up, right? So if you have multi, more ships um, and, and better ships than me also on that table um, and you create scenarios where like I get to have, you know, one V one exchanges. Uh, well, now you've created kind of a little mini scenario where I have equal ships advantage on the table in each exchange. Um, and so you don't want to be doing that, right? You want to have all your ships together uh, and just keep that pressure going. And maybe that's pressure and positioning you've maintained since the mid game. You know, maybe you've had that advantage uh, longer than you thought, but now you've identified it as part of the end game state. And that's a really good place to be. Right. If there's like 10 minutes left and you have seen to your cornered, uh, you know, with the stress token and, and, you know, like three X-Wings left pointed in that general direction. Do not let that ship get out of the corner, right? Finish them off. So the next end game state we have here is you're ahead on points, but you're behind on ship potential. Yeah, and I think this is a kind of dangerous one where you have that lead, right? And so it's, how can I hold on to that? Because my opponent has the potential here just looking at that board state to come back. Yeah, I think in general, and 
I mean, we'll talk about some of the other ones later too. Um, but both of these ahead on points places, I would argue are probably the most dangerous for you because it's really hard if you're ahead on points, you know, sometimes not to get cocky and start making suboptimal moves because you still think you have the advantage. And that's why identifying what your ship potential is, is so key. So can you make those moves to close it out? Or do you need to be a little bit more defensive to protect your points? Right. And so it's like, if you have a few generics, you know, versus some aces, definitely don't spread those ships out, you know, set up those blocks because if nobody's shooting, well, um, you know, you're still up on points, right. And, and time is running out. And like, Another reason not to fan out, right? Keep your ships together is, okay, if they have to come in to score points at some point. And so you need to make sure that um, you can point your firing arcs at them when they do that. um, So that it is going to be a risky play for them to score more points. But I I think it's really a tough question of once, once you identify that, you need to ask yourself, okay, can I close this out right now? Or do I need to hold on to my points because those are very different play styles and it honestly can take you a while to kind of identify which one you're in and which one is optimal for you Um, because maybe you do have a really good list that has the potential uh, to you know finish out the game while you're still ahead of points but I mean one mistake and that can completely change the pace of the game in the other direction so you know, keep that in mind. Uh, it's not something that maybe comes naturally right away, but definitely something that will get better uh, as you play more and with time and skill. Um, but th- this is a really good state, I think, um, to think really critically about. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking, right? You you watch these streams and you realize, players realized, oh, I should have protected points like a turn too late and they overcommitted. Um, if they made that decision a turn earlier, they probably would have been able to hold on to their lead. So then moving into the third state, this is kind of your most neutral state in a way. Um, So it's maybe a narrow back and forth between the players. There's not a clear advantage. Um, Think think the Mustafar duel before Anakin gets all his limbs cut off. Yeah, I mean, just your lists are equally matched. You're you're trading blows back and forth. You know, when you fire... um, you score points and then your opponent fires back and they score points and you just kind of go back and forth trading points. Um, and, and you're really even with that scoring. And this is a scenario you, you do see quite often uh, where nobody's quite sure who does have that advantage. Yeah. At this point, both players could have equal or similar chances to win. You know, maybe they're at similar, you know, point values, their ships have equal or similar ship potentials. Um, and it's, it's very possible that both players could actually still be in the mid game. You're just running out of time at this point. Right. Um, I, yeah, that might be the most common way players do get to that situation. Um, the mid game just took too long. We're still in there and, but time's almost out. So somebody has to win here. And I think that that's a really good point to make too, is there's no set amount of time that these different states of the game exist in. So you could have an early game that lasts, you know, maybe three, four turns, and then a mid game that lasts for, you know, looking at the time side of things, 45 minutes. And then all of a sudden you have maybe 20 minutes left and nothing's really happened. Uh, There are plenty of games that happen like that. I've had them happen. I know Carson's had them happen. Tim's had them happen. Like 
it's not uncommon. Um, so that's one thing to watch out for because it can result in, um, you know, maybe going to final salvo at time, which, you know, can kind of be difficult. Yeah. And I think, um, we maybe saw that also a little bit, um, in first edition where you had like an end game that went like 20 turns of, you know, a regen ace versus an auto thrusters ace and nobody did any meaningful damage. Um, they went back and forth. I think, you know, broadly speaking, this, this kind of even end game state, this is where understanding the points on the table and how those points can change is the most important. Where's the score at right now? And how could that score change? Like how badly could this score change for me? Um, is, is what's going to dictate, okay, what, um, do I need to do, right? Do I need to protect these ships at all costs to prevent that from happening? Do I need to score a, you know, a bit more points, um, to, to give me that buffer for if my opponent's attacks, um, hit harder than I can handle. And I think that's actually a pretty good transition into our next end game state, which is behind on points, but ahead in ship potential. Uh, yeah, this seems to be a state that I think I find myself in more than I than I want. And part of that's I think I pick ships with high with high potential there at the end game. <laughs> um, but they're also expensive and I tend to give up points pretty easily. Um, so this one is really about managing time. And, and so once you find yourself in this situation, you need to ask yourself some tough questions about how many turns it is going to take you to catch up on points. And then, you know, coming up with a, as you put it here, Carson, semi-reasonable plan to get those points back. Right. Well, I mean, at this point, you are behind, right? So some things just need to go your way. And, and so you want to, you know, make a plan that, you know, has at least a decent chance of working. And I think maybe a good example here um, in my match against Sweden, against Nicholas God there, there's a time where, like, I need to score a bunch of points. Um, and Lulo had the chance to boost in and take like an unmodded shot um, at the Star Viper. Uh, but I knew, okay, I have a little bit of time. Um, I need to make sure when I do commit that I at least have a decent chance of scoring those points there. And, and so, right, you need to make it at least, you know, somewhat reasonable. And maybe how much time you have left determines how reasonable <laughs> your plan needs to be. But the quicker you can identify this, I mean, that means the more turns you have to get those points, right? Yeah, and you certainly don't want to overestimate what your ship potential is. So going back, you know, understanding exactly what your list is and what it does, and, you know, the counter to that is what your opponent's list is and what your opponent's list does. Um, I mean, ship potential can go a long way, um, but when you're behind on points, it becomes a lot more crucial to utilize that ship potential in a smarter way. Yeah, I mean, you at this point probably don't have that many hit points to spend, right? So you need to keep your ships, uh, you know, alive and um, also be in positions where they can deal some damage and score some points. And it, that's a tough, tough thing to accomplish for sure. Um, and probably if you're in this situation, your opponent's done a good job of not allowing that happen thus far. Uh, so this one's, this one's not easy for sure, uh, but you have that ship potential. So you have a sh good shot. But what you don't want to do is end up in the last of our endgame states, which is behind on both points and ship potential. Yeah, my best advice here is don't get to this situation. Yeah, this is uh, 
This is not a fun place to be. Um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely okay. I identified the end game state I wanted, and the exact opposite happened, right? I just have, you know, a generic jouster left versus, you know, multiple aces or something. And so, I mean, in general, right, this is you lose most of these game states you end up in um, if you're both behind on points and your opponent has stronger ship potential still on the board. So what can you do, right? I mean, the obviously the most important thing you can do is do your best to maintain a good mental state where, you know, maybe you are in behind on points and behind on ship potential, but, you know, get into that state of, you know, what can I do maybe to bring my ship potential back up or bring my points back up. And that might result in you forcing yourself to make some aggressive or riskier moves to try and pull ahead. Um, but that's not always bad. You know, sometimes that could be your play style and that could be where you do really well. Um, so while this is the worst state to be in, it's not impossible to get out of. And it's always important to keep that in mind because if you are, you know, mentally defeated at the same time you think you're defeated on the table, then the game is really truly over. Yeah. Um, you cannot beat your opponent if you're also battling yourself. So, uh, keep that in mind. And, and, you know, here, you know, it's not a great, um, game state, but, this is uh, a game with variance. And so that's, you know what? Lean in on that variance. Um, appoint your fireworks at your opponent and hope that red dice start swinging your way and that their green dice disappear. Uh, there's three blanks on those green dice. Your opponents can roll them. Just You just have to believe. So that's kind of our mile high view on the end game phase. Uh, hopefully without Tim here to keep us on track and guide us, we had a uh, informative and enjoyable episode. Um, but I think we look forward to having Tim back next week, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it felt like a productive episode. We, we did miss his banter for sure. But did he miss our banter? That's the real question. Probably not. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, but Carson, you wanted to give some shout outs before we close out the episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I just want to give a shout out to my team, Team USA, uh, who's been doing a phenomenal job at the XTC. Uh, we're currently leading um, with 19 wins out of our 21 games, right? We're 3-0. <laughs> and uh, So I just want to give a shout out. Um, we are playing Spain this week, the defending champions. So... This will be a big week for Team USA. Um, you know, if we win this, uh, we're the clear front runner of the group. Um, all these players have some big games ahead of them this week. Um, if you know of any of them, you know, reach out. Right, we got a pretty great lineup, so I think we have a good shot. Uh, we have Matt Carey flying our Rebels, uh, Steve Cotillo flying the Empire, Will Haywood on Scum and Villainy, the Doug Howe with First Order, Dan Leone, Flying Separatists, and of course our captain, Marcel Manzano, Flying the Republic. And we have our substitutes, Kenneth Leone uh, and Tommy Adams. Uh, and then for some reason, they let me play Resistance there on the team. Um, but yeah, shout out to all these people, um, you know, working hard, flying those lists, but also a lot of the behind the scenes 
um, you know, understanding these matchups each week, um, you know, driving those pairing process and helping um, everyone prepare for their games. It's a really unique event, and it's really cool to have all these people working together uh, for that Team USA victory that we're all working for. And of course, uh, this episode will post on Wednesday, and later that day, you can tune in uh, potentially to Gold Squadron podcast and watch Carson play on stream again. Yeah, I think I'm playing 5 p.m. Central Time on that Wednesday. I'm sure it will be a game you won't want to miss. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. It'll be a tough one, for sure. But Team USA, doing good, keeping themselves ahead on points and in ship potential. That's right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Also, please consider going on iTunes and leaving the show a five-star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and become a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. And thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Okay, Zencaster appears to be going. <laughs> Tim All right. sucks, that's right. <laughs> got to Tim, get that Tim on the entry log. Pew! Pew, 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 pew! Whoop. That's really satisfying. I wonder how much Tim enjoys that. <laughs> <laughs> he, probably, he probably practices. Pew! Pew! Pew!